0: Disability or any label can be good or bad. What I always end things with is your label shouldn't define you, but your label should always, always empower you because you're always walking around with a label. And that's honestly why I chose a label, right? Because you, you always go to networking events or things where you're wearing the thing that says, hello, my name is... And you can easily peel that away. If you don't like your label, peel it up, get a new one, write what you want, and go at it. No Label Defines Me isn't about there being no existence of labels. It's about knowing that you have the power of choice to choose what labels represent you. And I'm talking specifically to my disability brothers and sisters, and you have the power to create drastic shifts in the world. If you show up and you treat people the way you want to be treated, instead of sitting in that place of why me? Why can't I do this? The world's against me. That's my ultimate goal, man. I want to shift the perspective Specifically for young people with disabilities, I want them to know that they're capable of much more than what they're probably being told
1: right now. That's Nathan Todd, and I'm Brian Falchuk. This is Do A Day. You'll hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know we can all overcome and achieve because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day-doers, welcome to episode 99 of Do A Day. One more to go till episode 100, and this is an episode that I have been really excited to bring to you. It's powerful. It's really powerful. My guest is a guy named Nathan Todd. and Nathan has cerebral palsy, or CP, and you can imagine that that informs a lot of his life experiences. And you would also imagine it limits or constrains his life experiences and his possibilities and his capabilities. He wouldn't agree with that. And we get into the reason why that is and how he sees it as, the catalyst for so much of his opportunity and possibility because he sees life with no labels. That's a really important message and theme that we dig into. I think it's unbelievably powerful and this is not just something that would speak to you if you yourself have a disability. Although it's obviously valuable there in his direct perspective would resonate, this is something we all do. We all put labels on ourselves. And what's really interesting is Nathan's not saying no labels in the sense of they don't exist or we don't have them or do away with them. We can still have labels, but we can choose what they are and we can choose what they mean. They don't have to be negative or constraining or hurtful. We can choose ones that empower us and we can choose to interpret the ones we have on us through our own hand or the hands of others in an empowering way. And he's speaking from firsthand experience. Such a powerful episode, an amazing human being, super inspiring. I'm excited to bring this to you. Let's jump right in with Nathan Todd. Um, Thanks for making some time and agreeing to be on the show. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, thanks for reaching out. Everything I've seen of you, man, is like you putting out so much inspiration and just like Not holding back, uh, no labels, right? Yeah, Um,
0: no labels.
1: Yeah, I think that's really cool. And and obviously there's lots of people who need that message, so I'm happy to bring it out even more. Yeah,
0: man. I've actually been thinking a lot um, this week about, I think every person is going to war with their labels every day. Yeah. And and that's really what it's about. It's about looking your labels in the face and, and going to war and being equipped with the tools to realize that, um, for, for like me, my case, my cerebral palsy, uh, a lot of people look at that and they say that's a negative label, but I don't look at that as a negative label.
2: Hmm.
0: That's, that's something like, it's a driving positive label for me.
1: So I'm not going to, stop and start recording and all that i want to keep going on this so tell me so and then we'll we'll back up and we'll get into who you are and all that but tell me more about that so because i think a lot of people would be surprised by that and that's the kind of message i hear repeatedly in talking to people who have you know whatever hardship they face so you you're putting a totally different view on it talk to me about this
0: yeah and so i i said cerebral palsy because that's my specific disability but i think it's A wider range of when we hear people use the word disability, Mm. a lot of people who don't have disabilities shy away from wanting to use that word. They want to use differently abled or some other word to describe what essentially is a disability. And Mm. I think that's only because they're only able to view it in one one perspective of what society has told us it means to live with a disability. And that means we can't do a lot. We're not supposed to be able to do a lot. And for me, it's like the word disability represents strength. It represents courage. It represents empathy. It represents, like, <laughs> I wouldn't be where I am right now if I didn't have my disability. And I think it's the thing that makes it really easy for me to relate with anybody because <laughs> I'm funny enough, I'm a white guy who's living in a minority world. Yeah and I can relate to what it's like to be a minority Mm -hmm. because I've been treated invisible before. Yeah. I've been treated like I don't matter.
1: Like you're incapable probably. I mean, going back to what you were saying before about it, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. As a kind of minority or, um, that a lot of people who are in the more, um, like what what we would normally think of when we think the word minor or we hear the word minority, there's a whole experience that they wouldn't have had um, that you're having, and vice versa.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think,
2: <clears throat>
0: I use this phrase a lot, and it's <laughs> angry disabled person syndrome. Okay. And I think... What that means to me is it's very easy to get angry. And it's very easy to say, why not me or blame things on? Mm-hmm. It's my disability's fault that this happened. Mm-hmm. And really, is that the case? Or did you just come off as
2: somebody who was a angry like resentful
0: person yeah and people don't like that yeah like it had nothing to do with your disability at all it's just the fact that society has trained us to believe that to be the case and so we don't have the skills to look outside of ourselves and say oh it had nothing to do with that I was just um, I don't know about your language on the show, but I was just being an asshole today. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's really what it was. Yeah. It, was, it didn't have anything to do with me having cerebral palsy.
1: Yeah. We all can suffer from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, what about, I mean, putting yourself in the, the, the person who's in that mindset, whether they're disabled They're not, and they're in that place, and they're, they have the thing to blame it on you know, I'm this way because, or they're treating me this way just because of that. It's not that I'm, you know, I'm not responsible for my behavior. And I would say like, well, it's a choice, you know, like if someone's treating you that way, it's a choice to respond to them that way. It's not easy. No. And it's almost offensive to them when you talk about it that way. It's like, you don't understand, (laughs) you know, and you get like, well, you don't understand.
0: Oh yeah, dude. I've, I've been, uh, I've been kicked out of, Disability specific groups because I say things like that because um, it's a different perspective. Yeah. And I would say the reason I say these things is because I was that person. Hmm. So, like, I, I know what it's like to think that way. Yeah. And it, it's not even to say that I still sometimes don't think that way.
1: Yeah. It's what um, you do with it when you think that way. Yeah. It's
0: like, Oh, man, Nathan, was that actually true? Or or were you just being driven by your ego and protecting yourself by using the thing that um, is the easiest to blame Mm. for what happened? Because it's really, dude, it's so easy, specifically for disability, but for whatever your adversity is, to be like... If I wanted to sit on the couch all day and live up to the expectations of society, I'd be super easy. Yeah. And it's not, life's not about choosing the easy road. The easy road isn't fun. The easy road won't connect you with amazing people. It won't connect you with amazing experiences. And it won't allow you to see what you're actually capable of.
1: Can you? I, w- I want you to take me back now. I mean, like, because this, this is big and it's really inspiring. And I, and I don't care whether someone has a di- disability or not. Like, this applies to everybody. As yeah. I like said right at the beginning, like, we're all at war with the labels that we place on ourselves, regardless of where they come from. So give give us your backstory. Like, you know, how. You're you're born with with cerebral palsy. Yeah, what it was like growing up with that, but to hear you who you're who you are today, and for you to say like I wasn't always that way, you know I I had my my angry moments. Like, how did you come through to this place where you know you're getting thrown out of disability groups for not just kind of wallowing in it?
0: Yeah. So, very beginning, man. I was born eight weeks premature. I was born four pounds. Ten ounces oh. fifty fifty shot to even live, and like that to me is it's gonna be the mystery of my life <laughs> for me because that experience of fighting for my life mm-hmm. actually happened it happened to me, but i don't I can't remember it yeah. but i I guaranteed from breath number one that shaped a lot of my life.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, So I will always be on a search of how did this actually impact me? Um, So for people who don't know a lot about cerebral palsy, it's a brain injury. If you break it all the way down, it's a brain injury. Um, So I had a brain bleed and basically it's like having a stroke.
2: Mm. And
0: so for me, that's impacted. I have what's called spastic diplegia, cerebral palsy, and it completely impacts my motor skills. So my ability to walk, my ability to do anything like writing. So if you showed me one of those old time handwriting sheets, with cursive on it, yeah. I'd have traumatic flashbacks of all the red X's on the sheet of paper mm-hmm. because of me trying to learn to write. Um, I didn't learn to walk until I was about four. Um, and I actually had to have surgery just to have the capability to even give walking a, a shot
1: you had before ab- you were four
0: yeah mm-hmm. it was it was uh i was three years old and so like another thing that happened to me but imagine being both my parents yeah. and having to make that kind of decision
2: yeah
0: um because there's a whole list of things that could have happened just because of the surgery and i'd be in a much different spot yeah um so i think that's the thing that people don't talk a lot about too is the like your journey is not just your journey your journey is we're so connected to everybody that we come in contact with but we don't actually think about it mm. and if my parents would have made different decisions I would be in a different spot um uh, I definitely wouldn't be here because my mom did a lot of advocating mm. for children with disabilities like because of that surgery I had she advocated the state of South Carolina to get it approved for other children mm. so i think i've had this speaker coach like want to make an impact from a very early age and it's been imprinted on me to make a change in the world from your mom from sounds like yeah one yeah did you have siblings yes i do i have a younger brother
1: so I mean that's another person then in that the intertwine picture as well.
0: Yeah. I would say it's it would be so interesting to get his perspective on growing up cuz we've never never had like it. a real conversation. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot with yeah. um siblings who have brothers or sisters with disabilities as well, like what it's like to be them.
2: Mm. Because how- we have a lot of different needs. Like and how does it impact him from
0: like his perspective of the world where there's stuff that I absolutely couldn't do like one of my favorite stories that my mom ever tells is so he's three years younger than me
2: yeah.
0: so he's learning to walk at the same time i'm learning to walk uh-huh. and he uh, we go down a hill and he's like he wants to run down the hill and my mom's trying to explain to him that i can't do it and she said, he grabbed my hand and he's like, I'll, I'll help him down the hill. And so he, he starts running and then we just like, we barely make it like two steps
2: and we're Tumbling.
0: rolling down the hill. Yeah. But it's um it's interesting because I think we do a lot of stuff as human beings that we don't realize that we do mm. based on our experiences and it'd just be real interesting to to see what his experience of disability is.
1: Why haven't you guys talked about it?
0: Uh I think because it'd probably be super emotional and yeah. we're we're not like super emotional uh dudes or anything. Yeah. Okay. Honestly. I'm not, not
1: going to push you on it. Yeah. No, I'm curious. I mean, cause I, I've talked to a few folks who either the siblings of someone with a chronic illness or a disability or whatnot, or the person who had it, who also has siblings and, um, consistently they haven't talked about it. And I don't, I don't know if it just happens to be the people that I've talked to, or it's like, look, this is our life. We never really stopped to think about that. There was a conversation to have. I don't know. I, I think it's yeah. a really interesting thing.
0: I think I think that's something that's probably very true um that it's just this experience that we've gone through together yeah that's that's a shared experience that we're like yeah. it just is what it is cuz we we do the same things that siblings do like we we fought yeah. we did all that stuff i was the older sibling so i would always be like oh what can, what can i uh get away with and yeah, get my little brother to do that—that that type of stuff.
1: Were you? Are you all close now?
0: Uh yeah, I would say we're close. Yeah. Like we're close, and we—we we don't spend a ton of time together, but yeah. I would still say
1: we're we're close. You got the connection. Yeah. So, uh right, so you got this mom who's sort of role modeling for you and instilling that fight in you, and that's mm-hmm. the the setting that you're growing up in in South Carolina yeah is that where you're at now yeah mm-hmm. so then you get to this place where you said like you weren't always the way you are now so how do you end up in maybe we'll call it a darker place or an angrier place or whatever it is or, or is that not really what it was and it was momentary like what <sighs> um
0: so and and this will probably be one of the first times that I've ever talked about this on any any show because I think a lot of times like you hear a lot about my mom for sure. This is probably one of the first times I've ever talked about my brother anywhere. Mm. Um, but my dad was a football coach, mm-hmm. and I think I always grew up and I wanted to be. Joe Montana, like be the quarterback of a football team. And (laughs) growing up and going to all the football practices and being a part of that, it really had an impact on my identity as a person. Because I was like, I really want to do this, and it's something I can't do.
2: Mm.
0: Um and I think That's something that me personally, but I think a lot of people, especially uh, men, deal with this, like wanting to live up to what you think. Like you want to be able to get that approval from your dad. Yeah. And I think that's something even at 34 years old. I still deal with on a regular basis and my brother played football and I I think if you ask him he didn't necessarily want to play football and I wanted to play football and I couldn't
1: did he know that you wanted to
0: my dad your brother I would I would guess yeah
1: yeah do you think between you and your dad he felt that pressure or was it just from your dad or (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's a, that's a good question. Like, did I apply pressure there? Um, maybe. That I've never even thought of it in that uh, frame before. But maybe I was a part of that. I definitely know that uh, he, he felt pressure um, from our dad for yeah. sure. I I don't think it was a spoken thing, but yeah. I I bet. He definitely felt pressure, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um. So, what? Are your parents still together? No. No. All right.
0: And that—that's like a—that's a, um, a disability-specific <laughs> statistic, right there. Ninety percent. Wow. Of marriages end in divorce, and talk about going to war um, with labels. Yeah. Like. I've always felt that part of it was my fault. Yeah. Even when they would say it's not your fault.
1: How old Um, were you when they split up? (laughs) Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. So you're old enough to know what's going on. See it. So it was. It's an
0: interesting time in life. I think there are moments when. <clears throat> talk about being in the dark place hmm. i think that had a big part of being in a dark place yeah being, being at 16 um your parents going through this but you being a part of it and having to try and cope with that yeah. and so you lose um you lose that person in the household that is. The model of all the stuff you're about to go through, yeah in life, yeah, and you don't really learn <laughs> what it's supposed to be, um and you have to try and teach yourself that's uh that's rough
1: yeah and was he was he not really in the picture then as a result of that, or just not frequently enough like he he had been
0: oh man, so. I think we were all, at that point, it's brand new to everyone, so we're all trying to figure it out for ourselves, Yeah, and it's like one of those things, I think, another thing you don't really know how to talk about necessarily when you're 16 years old and and you're navigating high school. Yeah, it's a weird (laughs)
1: age for anyone, but yeah extreme things to be thrown at you any on top of that
0: yeah um and the good thing is we're like we've got a good relationship now um and it's still been it's like i can go back to those moments in my life and i think that as a coach that's something that i've i have learned through coaching people is we all have those very specific moments and I think that they happen when you are young in life that really shape your label of who you believe yourself to be I think we go through a lot of stuff where we feel unseen we feel unheard and we feel unvalued and it's stuff that even if you're somebody who's 50 years old right now, you may have never talked about it, and it's running your whole entire life.
1: Yeah, I think you're spot on. And it, we may not have talked about it, and we're depending on our generation or our situation growing up. We may have been discouraged from talking about it. Yeah, because you just toughen up and move through.
0: And I don't. I don't think that that. I think being tough serves you because you learn what you're made of, yeah, but I don't think that that's the answer, yeah, and I don't think as a society, I don't think that's how we're gonna end up <laughs> moving forward, yeah um, uh, I was talking to somebody, uh actually one of my coaches yesterday, and we actually talked about me being sixteen years old, mm. and I was like, that really shapes my identity when it comes to
2: relationships mm-hmm.
0: and what I didn't want out of relationships. Like mm-hmm. I learned that what I thought relationships were w- where they were going to cause me pain. Yeah. And they were going to cause me a lot of sadness. And so it's impacted how I approach any type of relationship. And I've never said that out loud until yesterday.
1: Wow. Did you you have relationships where looking back on them, you're like, that was 16 year old version of me thinking what, what I shouldn't, shouldn't have and not with the knowledge that I've gained through this process.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And
0: it's interesting. Even having all the, the knowledge doesn't mean that you apply it. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, dude. It's, and I think there are a lot of, lot of people out there that are are going through this stuff, and, and they think that it's it's not okay to to talk about it. The number one thing that everybody I've ever um, worked with have said is, the label that they go to war with. Every
2: day is, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. It holds
1: us back in so many different ways.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's like, who made up the definition of what it means to be good enough for you? Um, I've done a lot of stuff around eradicating loneliness because I think that our label of who we believe we're supposed to be is a thing that causes us to be lonely because we're living up to somebody else's standard or we're trying to live up to someone else's standard. But I think it's a game we can't win because we don't know the rules we're playing by. So we don't know how to keep score. Yeah. Um, And so there's science that says if you and I are talking, chances are that at the moment, one of us may be experiencing loneliness because they did a study of twenty thousand Americans, and about fifty percent said they are experiencing loneliness,
1: yeah, and they may not be alone, yeah, I mean that's mm-hmm. the thing is how many people are in a relationship or in a social setting yet feeling completely detached from it and judging all judgment
0: yeah, um. I say that's the burden that we all carry, yeah, and it and it gets stuck because we're like, well, I don't want to talk about all the crap that I'm dealing with. I don't want to be a burden to Brian for talking about all the crap I'm going through when if we actually knew that talking would relieve that pressure a little bit, yeah, it'd be better because. Loneliness is just like a signal for thirst and hunger. It's actually telling you, hey, you're becoming detached from anybody around you, and you have so much capacity to be connected with other people that that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to be around other human beings. We're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to try and do things ourselves but oftentimes our head has us thinking oh we're the only person going through all the problems that we're going through
1: yeah yeah that is extremely true um we're all like 10 people in a room they're all probably thinking close to the same thing in that respect and assuming it's just them yeah and you don't want to talk about it cuz then people would know yep. it's all back to labels and, uh, and we
0: say, I'm fine. Yeah. And, and I say, and if you say that, that's the key alert to something's going on.
1: Yeah. Well, I have no interest in being fine. Um, <laughs> so, so you coming out of the divorce, it puts you in, in that dark state and, and it's gotta be a lot to think about. Is this because of me or because of my situation uh, or the burden that my parents or well like all the things that must have been spinning into your head despite them saying it's not. Mhm. Um Yeah, I mean I so I was uh, I was the marriage saver baby. And my parents got divorced, so like I say it jokingly, but there's a piece of me that's like, okay, it's not like it was my choice to be in that role. But yeah. it did, like having another kid is not going to change a marriage that's not working. But there's nope. a piece of me that's aware of like that was the hope. You know, if I just give in and and have this other kid, then no, because there's other things wrong. Um, yeah, it's not that and I it, wasn't good enough. Yeah. So is that you said like so sixteen that that's got to sit with you? What's how does that play out over the next how many years? Like, is that defining who you are and and how you're living? <laughs>
0: Dude, I'll tell you a a turning point that I had, and it's. Not that long ago. It was only, I don't know, th- three years ago maybe. Um, because I w- ended up going through the 12-step program specifically yeah. for this being my thing I was dealing with. Yeah. Uh, my old boss was like, hey, I think this might actually help you. To go through this and to uh, to look at some stuff, and so I actually did that, and it it definitely supported in being able to look and be able to say hey this this is just something that that I did deal with it's and it's been keeping me stuck mm. showing up with all these Triggers that I have that I at the point then I didn't realize were triggers
2: mm-hmm.
0: for me um and so I mean so that's that's how long something can keep you really, really stuck, man, that's sixteen more years, yeah, basically yeah. well, of how- being sixteen <laughs> oh.
1: how is this showing up then so how like for your boss it, first of all like what kind of boss is that? That's amazing. Um, But second of all, like how is it showing up that this person who obviously cares about you was willing to say something?
0: Oh, I think so. I think that's a point where they could see a lot of anger in me, Mm -hmm. like unspoken and like, okay, this is a real smart uh, together, dude.
1: With an awesome beard. It's like, <laughs> we gotta throw that out. Anyway.
0: Yeah, well, I think it was a lot shorter back uh. then. Um, but, he's got a lot of anger sitting inside of him that's just like on the surface, ready to, easy to explode. Yeah. Um. So, Who knows? It would be interesting to know exactly because she never said really exactly what it was. But I just remember saying, let's give it a shot and see. It can't hurt. Yeah. Um, I can be in the same spot. And I think it's interesting to be able to look and say for a program. The 12 step program doesn't have to be about drugs or alcohol.
1: Yeah. And that's probably the first thing people thought when they heard you say that is like, oh, so he turned to substance to get through the pain.
0: No, nope. Yeah. Nope. I just think I went into a a deep, like, dark hole where <laughs> I was just in there by myself and it was one of those things that you or that I stuffed down and it just didn't didn't talk about it with anybody
1: where do you go to get into a program like that if it's not through addiction cuz there's got to be people who are like I'm in that spot
0: yeah so the book that I used was um the 30 day sobriety solution so it was Targeting uh, drugs and alcohol for sure, but I just replaced yeah drugs and alcohol with
1: my inner pain yeah, which drugs and alcohol may be about that anyway. It's just how oh. it's manifesting, yeah, yeah, dear. It's it's just
0: a an avoidance yeah mechanism because for whatever that pain is, you don't feel good enough. For sure,
1: Nathan. What were some of the key things that you did through that process that you felt yourself, like you felt yourself opening up or coming through? There had to be moments where it was like that was big.
0: I think it was for me. It was a lot of the visualizations that they had in there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I I know very clearly what I want to create with my life.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I, and I know that things like family are a big part of that. And so I knew that <clears throat> in order to create that, I
2: needed to get over this hurdle of relationships equal pain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, kind of,
1: um, it's kind of foundational.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, and it's still something, like, even though I went through the process, it's still something I'm, I'm doing every day to actively not go back to that place. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's easy to go back. The thing that's hard is to move forward in unknown territory.
1: Yeah, it's true. And it's like you said before, It's the, the easy stuff doesn't move us forward. It doesn't get us to where we really should be or want to be.
0: No, man, like I'm looking at all the stuff you got behind you and that's got me fired up because I, I want to be TEDx and I, I want to um, be making a bigger impact than what I'm currently making for sure.
1: Well, having seen some of what you're doing, I mean, anyone who just scrolls through your Instagram feed is like, be prepared because it's some awesome, like it looks like you're on that roll. Which is incredible. I mean, so how do you get from going through that book, working through the process, to this spot you're in now? Because you are like that's great. You want to have more, but you are having an impact. And like I've taken something from even just you know researching you from from getting connected with you to have you on the show. Um, how do <laughs> well, you get I into this? That. Yeah, you, <laughs> I like you. Honestly, like you, you fired me up in a really strong way. Just looking at um, there's something in your face in those photos. Like we can all smile in a photo. That's not really what I'm seeing. Um, there's something a lot more to it than that. Like it's deeper. And so I'm not surprised to hear, like you, you know, you went through that journey, you did that work and it came from a very different kind of place than what I'm looking at today. Um, so how do you, you know, what what is it that you're trying to do today? and, And how do you live that?
0: Well, man, so here's, here's, and it's, it's so great to be able to come on things like this and be able to look back. So the moment that started to make this shift really, really start to happen is I went to a conference, the Lewis House Summit of Greatness yeah. Conference. And my buddy who I worked at the nonprofit with, um, he bought me the ticket because we did some work on developing a workshop together and he found out that we both liked lewis house the very first moment i was there i had a conversation with a girl who was on lewis's team Mm -hmm. and we sat there and we talked for like 30 minutes Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and then the rest of the time i'm sitting there like what in the world am i doing here
2: Mm -hmm.
0: what why am i even here Like, I'm just this dude that's working at a nonprofit. These guys are making millions of dollars. They're running companies. They're doing all these great things. So I was comparing myself to everybody else that I saw there. Yeah, (laughs) And I had one conversation with another girl. And we sat under a tree while we were eating. And she like changed how I was viewing that current moment. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she was like, you, you have a lot that you're offering here. You're offering a perspective that a lot of other people can't. Mm-hmm. And so that helped. But I remember my buddy saying, how was that for you? I was like, this is the most uncomfortable i've ever been yeah like i can be a super confident person but that doesn't mean that i am in this space here right now
2: yeah
0: um so from that i went to a workout with uh steve withford and it was like a crossfit workout yeah and holy crap man it was not conducive to (laughs) my disability at all yeah but I, i made it through and i remember this girl she got up and she sang in front of all of us i never talked to the girl ever then we come back home i get a call on facebook from this girl and she's like hey i'm doing this training i think it would really really benefit you We spent like an hour and a half on this phone call. And I I was like, yeah, I looked at, he had like these books that we all got and it had a coupon for the training in there. Mm -hmm. And I said to my buddy, I'm like, wouldn't it be great to be able to go to a training that's led by Lewis's coach? Mm -hmm. And I had this conversation and I was like, I just can't afford it. Yeah. And she said, Oh, I'm gonna put the deposit down. Oh. And I was like, Well, that eliminated Good that yeah. being a obstacle. And so I went. The moment after I finished the first training, I was like, Okay, I gotta keep going. I gotta see. I gotta see what's at the end of this. Yeah and every time because they had different stages every time i would get to the end of one and i'd be like i'm not done yet i gotta i gotta finish this out (laughs) and part of that i think is i do have a very addictive like i want to finish
2: things that i start um but that training left me thinking I can do a lot more
0: with what I've been given. Mm. And I do have the power to change the way somebody views themselves.
1: It's a very strong self-value shift. From, yeah, I mean, even just the school of greatness, feeling like I don't belong here. These people are so much more than me. Um, yeah. which is not usually what you hear from people about it is like, oh, it's amazing, and all these amazing people. And I think what you described more people feel than would admit to than it.
0: actually say, yeah, because
1: yeah. you're not supposed to, because it's amazing, and there's you know, it's like going to a Tony Robbins thing. You're all rah rah and um, and so I've been
0: three years now after Mm -hmm. that. And every time it's become something where I know that that's a zone of power for me. Mm -hmm. I can now walk in there and I can make the shift for somebody who's sitting there at that conference and they're feeling the same way that I was feeling when I first walked in.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Like, my favorite question to ask people this time when I went is, instead of saying, what do you do? I would say, what are you creating in the world? Ah. Because that's a completely different perspective to what do you do? Like, we focus so much on on our jobs But we are much more than what we do for a job. And for all those people who are sitting there struggling to get a job, um, and I'm talking specifically to my disability brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. you are much more than your ability to get a job. Yeah. And you have the power to... Create drastic shifts in the world if you show up and you treat people the way you want to be treated instead of sitting in that place of why me, what, why can't I do this? The world's against me. Yeah, I that's my ultimate goal, man. I want to shift the perspective specifically for young people with disabilities, I want them to know that they're capable of much more than what they're probably being told right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, even, um, that's beautiful. And I'm even thinking about that moment when your brother wanted to run down the hill and your mom's saying he, he can't. I mean, even though, like, that might be factually true, but when you said that, You know, several minutes ago, that struck me as like, well, yeah, of course you can't now because that's the way it's been framed and that's what's in your head. Now maybe you genuinely can't, and it's not just about (laughs) framing, but like, yeah, but maybe it's also something to try. And y'all tried and didn't go well, but hopefully no one was terribly injured, and you learn. And
0: here's here's a perfect example, man. And I'm not going to use any names, but I know people that are my age with different disabilities who have been told they can't do things like tie their shoes. Yeah, And I would do um, training with individuals and that came up and I'm like, Hey, I purposely went and untied my shoes and asked that person to tie my shoes. Because I was like, there is no way if you don't know it. I get that, but I know that you're smart enough to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And she tied my shoes. And like, we (laughs) we one time we did a thing about uh, laundry, a lesson about laundry, and we were talking about folding Mm -hmm. shirts. Hey. All those kids had them folded and put in their book bag before we ever got to the lesson. I was like, "Well, you guys didn't need that, yeah <laughs> It really is about instead of saying "What can't you do yeah. like people talk about do or do not no try yeah i I think there's something to be said for for trying, yeah. Um, because there are going to be, like, I'm never going to run a marathon. Like, that is not going to happen. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that I couldn't experience what it would be like to participate in one.
1: Yeah. You can still do one. Yeah. Whether it's a run or not. Oh, it's not going to be a (laughs) run.
0: But yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, do you know who james roberts is no he's a british paralympian who has femoral dysplasia um actually like i gotta think when all the episodes are coming out i i interviewed him a few weeks ago his episode is still a little while from when we're recording this but so femoral dysplasia basically means and i'm simplifying this and i'm sure i'm femur is displaced yeah, but I mean, displaced. I feel like it's the wrong word because it's basically his lower leg is attached where his femur would be.
2: Okay, um, so gotcha.
1: effectively he has one leg, and then he's got you know a little vestige of of one on the other side. So he uses a prosthetic leg,
0: mm-hmm. and he's
1: done. I don't. I, I lose count of it, but some like four or five different Olympic level, Paralympic level sports for the United mm-hmm. Kingdom. Like, and he's like sports always been a part of his life. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, you know, the first time someone mentioned to him about doing Paralympic or or, um, the disabled version of the sports, he was just playing (laughs) as a kid. He looked at them as like, why would I do that? Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm playing it. And he said, like, his mother would tell him how he'd sit on the side of the playground watching the other kids play. And she's like, I could see the wheels turning in your head. And he's like, I was figuring out, like, okay, I can't do it like that because I don't have, you know, I don't have those parts, but. Here's how I can figure. And like, and then he'd go at it, you know, and it's in, in trying. Yeah. He might fall, but he also learns how his body's going to go about it differently. And he got through it and he's, you know, a professional athlete for a good chunk of his life.
0: Yeah. That's so one of my, my sayings is, uh, crash and burn because Mm. we all, we all fall down. And I think when we crash and burn, it's what happens when we're in that fire. Yeah, that's going to create uh, who and what we are moving forward. Yeah, uh, and like <laughs> another example, like I spent a lot of time younger on the ground falling over, uh, <laughs> so I became very well acquainted with the pavement. Yeah, but I had a friend one time that tripped and fell and my mom said I looked at her and said oh that's okay they just haven't learned how to fall yet
2: <laughs> okay
0: because i think there's something too like all those times that that i've fallen and that friends who have a similar disability have fallen yeah we learn how to fall yeah and so that that can be translated into whatever you're doing mhm you just gotta learn to fall so you know how to get up faster and be more efficient, like I could probably be walking behind you, fall over, and you may never know hmm.
1: just,
0: just because I'm that fast, yeah good at it, knowing how to get up, yeah, yeah.
1: that's really brilliant um, and i I mean I'm going back to like your earlier point about, I'm going back to a lot of things you said earlier, um, but about like that. And I, I hear this a lot that you wouldn't, you wouldn't change this. Yeah. i you know, no. not seeing it that way. And so it's like, you've been tested and grown in ways that other people wouldn't have the benefit of that. And the impact you get, the thing that you get to create in this world, yeah, you create something different, but you wouldn't be able to create this. No. And
0: each one of us has that thing that I believe we were put on. And that's why I'm really liking the going to war with. Yeah, You, you are on a mission. If you're listening to this, you are on a mission. You may not know what your mission is right now at this moment, yeah. but there's been a mission that's been placed on your heart that was only given to you and that only you can bring to life because of your very
2: specific um, life experiences.
1: I think that's, that's very true. Easy to lose sight of for some folks in the moment, and that's where yeah. they're keeping that front and center. Um, well,
0: and it's, it's like this. So if it's hard to keep track of, if you know what your mission is right now, it's what do you eradicate to elevate? What are the things that you eradicate in your life, whether they're relationships with people, whether they're binging on Netflix, whatever they are, that are just distractions that are taking you away from point A to point B? Mm -hmm.
2: Because
0: there's a through line. I was born. Here's what I've been called to do. And it's just a straight line.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and everything else is just the world throwing distractions at you, saying, let's see how long it takes this person to figure out how to follow this straight line. <laughs> yeah. You got to keep it simple, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And learn how to fall in the process.
0: Yeah, yeah. and just get up. Like yeah. Distractions are real, and they're going to happen. So I know what I'm saying, it's a lot easier said than done
2: type thing, but think about the fact that a lot of us in the world only have a uh, third grade reading level,
0: right? So think about, like, keep it simple, man. Don't make it complicated. You want to help people, you want to help yourself, make it as simple as possible.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It it's easier said than done, but it's probably not as hard as many of us make it at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that lesson applies across the board, disability or otherwise. Like and we, we all get did, distracted.
0: We we didn't even really touch on this, but the muscle motivator I was sitting on my couch, I was 30 years old, so four years ago, and I remember sitting there being like, I don't like how I look, I don't like how I feel, and my brother walked in and said, hey, the gym lets people come for free on the weekends with members, and I went in there, and it started from a selfish reason of me wanting to look better and, mm-hmm. and feel better. But then people started coming up to me, talking to me, and it became an obligation to—you don't see a lot of people in here that look the way that I look
2: mm-hmm.
0: doing what I'm doing. And I do come from an athletic family, so here's, here's what I think I can do to display my athletic gifts and make a bigger impact uh, with what I've been given.
1: So you're the muscle motivator? Yeah. That sounds like a label, though. So, yeah. Okay,
0: (laughs) that's that's a perfect segue. It's just like the, the disability thing, right? Yeah. Disability or any label can be good or bad. Yeah. Right? What I always end things with is... Your label shouldn't define you, but your label should always, always empower you. Because you're always walking around with a label. Yeah. And that's honestly why I chose a label, right? Because you you always go to networking events or things where you're wearing the thing that says, Hello, my name is. Yeah. And you can easily peel that away. So... If you don't like your label, peel it up, get a new one. Yeah. Write what you want and go at it. Yeah. Like no label defines me isn't about there being no existence of labels. It's about knowing that you have the power of choice to choose what labels represent you.
2: That's awesome yeah that's awesome.
1: We're gonna get the labels either way, either from us or from others, so it's a question of what we do with them once they're there. peel yeah. them off, take something from them, not let them get too far under the skin
0: and so if you um I'll just go back to disability, right yeah. because if there are people that like using the term differently abled or special needs or disability, like it's not it's not my job to judge what that label means to you. Mm -hmm. So if you want to use differently abled, I, I shouldn't get mad at you for wanting to use that term. I should let you use the term that you're comfortable with and be able to say, here's why I choose to use the word disability and why it's not a negative term for me Mm -hmm. instead of but instead of saying oh you're so wrong for using that like that's that's the greatest gift you have um because people stare at people with disabilities all the time Mm. and like what's the point of getting getting mad at people who are staring why don't you just go have a conversation with them so you you get to change the narrative of how they view what it means to live life with a disability.
2: Mm.
0: Like there's a there's another perfect thing of angry disabled person. <laughs> like why why get mad at somebody for staring? It's going to happen. No matter what, because people don't see a lot of people with disabilities out in the world all the time.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So what are you going to do when you see something you don't know a lot about? You're going to be like, I wonder what happened
2: there. Yeah, You're just going to be curious because we're a human being. Yeah. And what, like, I'm trying to think of...
0: The best way to frame this, but when it comes to the narrative, growing up in the world where we just started using ADA Mm -hmm. and being included into the classroom with our fellow students, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when we start to get in more positions of power Mm -hmm. because a lot of our friends just like they just know me for Nathan. Yeah. Like they don't they don't see all this other crap most of the time. Yeah. And they know they know what I'm capable of. Yeah. But if we're just walking around being angry and uh that's what I was going to say. Like the idea of the word inspiration. Have you ever heard anybody talk about inspiration porn? No. So what that means is I should be mad that you said you're very inspirational because I'm just living my life. Why is that inspirational? So a lot of people get upset with that. And I'm like, I used to be that person. And then I said, well, I can't control what you find inspirational. Yeah. So... I should always be shooting for you to say, hey, you're an inspiration, you're a motivation. Because what that says is, you're doing something that is calling me to do more. You're doing something that is challenging what I believe about myself and what I believe about society. So why fight against inspiration, porn? being a thing just say it is what it is i can't control what you find inspirational i am gonna just go live my life and hopefully it's a darn good life that makes you want to say hey you're really inspiring me this way
1: yeah i never heard of people taking an offense at that um that's interesting now i'm not going to stop saying it to someone that I've found inspiration. I'm reading a book on inspiration by a friend of mine. Um, and that's one of, they talk about the the sources of inspiration, you know, whether it's like going to a setting that lets your mind be free and you think of things or observing someone who inspires you. Um, yeah. I think it's totally valid. And, and anytime someone said that to me, I'm honored and blessed that something about how I'm living and, and just being honest about that has sparked something to look within themselves.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, that's interesting. I've never, yeah, I've never heard the concept. That's interesting. Um, I don't like it. (laughs) I don't, I I hope no one would ever take offense of that because I think that's um, something you should be really, it's a great responsibility then.
0: I've always felt obligated to the whole disabled community. That's been something that's just, and I don't know why. It's just been there. Like, I feel obligated when I'm in public to represent more than just myself.
1: Yeah, it sounds like your mom taught you that right from day one. It's just like you don't Her, yeah. you don't have the the actual memories in your active memory. Obviously, like it's within you about the struggle from birth. Just like you probably don't remember a time, whereas like one day your mom just started doing that. As long as you can remember, that's been who she is. Hmm. Um. That's awesome, Nathan. This is uh it has been huge for me. Like, honestly, uh, getting to see what you've been doing and getting the chance to talk to you. I've taken a lot from it and I appreciate you putting so much of yourself, not just into this, but more broadly. I mean, like you're saying, you're not just representing yourself. You're trying, you feel that obligation yeah. to do for others too. And it shows. Um, so thank you for that. It's pretty amazing.
0: I appreciate it, man. Anything that I can do for anybody to help them, go to war with their labels to be a part of their battle team. That's what I'm here to do, man.
1: Where can, uh, where can people catch more of that? And I'll throw links to all this stuff in the show notes too.
0: Yeah. So, um, right now the best way is through Instagram. I'm most active there. I'm also on Facebook as well. The muscle motivator over there. Um, And then you can connect. It's a a long, um, because the website's in. I'll
1: I'll link to it. Yeah, Yeah. we'll
0: link to that. But yeah, that's where anybody can can find me. And then uh, hopefully we get to connect again and we can have you talk about everything you're up to on uh, my show. Anytime. Yeah.
1: Yeah, anytime, man. I'm down. Cool. Um, Nathan, you ready to help me close things out? yeah absolutely all right today's a new day.
0: so I want you to do this for me real quick. I want you to be patient. I want you to be diligent. I want you to never quit, and I want you to do it.
1: Ooh. that's awesome. It's awesome. I always love when people bring some of their own spirit into it like i i like I like the line I came up with, but that's not why I have people on the show. Um, So that was, that was awesome. Thank you for that. And thank you for everything you shared, including, you know, getting into some stuff that you yeah, had before. <laughs> well, I think, you, I think well, you and your brother need to have a conversation. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, we'll see. uh We'll see what happens when this one launches. Cause yeah. I really, I've never really talked about a lot of the stuff we touched on. So
1: i appreciate that it's all is a positive thing in the end you know if like if you all weren't speaking today or something that's a very different kind of show but um yeah it's it's an interesting thing like we all have these interesting lives and um yeah i just i appreciate you were very real about it so thanks yeah man nathan is the truth isn't he he's awesome all right here's the question for you what label have you just stuck on your shirt or set of labels have been piling up in that uh you know that corner area your upper chest and your shirt hello my name is whatever you're calling yourself did you put it there did someone else put it there did you put it there yourself but on behalf of someone else like they're saying on this is it a good thing is it holding you back is it a distraction from that direct line from A to B that Nathan was talking about. It's about empowering and simplifying. He gives such clarity on why that matters, and this is not a guy who just had it made and had everything he ever wanted super easy. This is a guy who learned that lesson firsthand and continues to face it every day, and yet you don't hear him talking from a place of negativity or pain or constraint or distraction. That's going to inspire all of us. I know he specifically you know, gave some of his message to the disabled community, but you know this is broad. You know this hits all of us. So take it in. Learn from it. I think Nathan is incredible. You've got to follow all of his stuff. Check the show notes for the links to his YouTube, his Instagram, his Facebook. His book, he didn't even mention his book, Empower Yourself, Awaken the Beast Within. I will link to that. You can pick it up. Just check out what this guy is doing. It's awesome. Um, And yes, I was on his show. I will link to that episode as well. I am so psyched to have had Nathan on. And I hope you guys took something in. So look, this is episode 99. The last of the double-digit episodes next week come with something really topical and timely and powerful and deep with two of the greatest human beings I have gotten to know through this whole do-a-day journey, Cornell Thomas and Michael O'Brien, who joined me for a really powerful conversation to mark episode 100 in a very special way. I can't wait for you guys to join in and hear that. Make sure you're subscribed to the show if you haven't already so you don't miss it. Subscribe in whatever platform you love to listen to your podcasts on. I'm an Apple podcast guy so I'm subscribed up there really easy to do you can just search for my name or you can search for Do a Day if you haven't found it yet or if you go to doadaybook.com just click on podcast and any of the episodes all have the subscription links at the bottom of the show notes so you can get to it really easy on your favorite platform whether it's Apple or Google or Stitcher or Spotify or I don't even know what else lots of different Podcast platforms out there. You can find Do a Day in any of them. So make sure you're ready to go for next week. It's a really important episode. And I'm going to share something very exciting that I've been working on for over a year that I finally got done and published. And I can't wait for you all to see that. So I will see you back here next week. Thank you for joining me. Figure out what labels are standing in the way of you going
2: out doing it. Thanks everyone.